filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Wendy Francis is the ACL National Director of Politics. Wendy's back with us. Wendy, always good to talk. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. It feels like it's been a few times that other people have been able to speak to you and not me, so I'm glad it's me this time. Well, I'm always glad when it is you, although it is wonderful to know that there is such a depth at the Australian Christian Lobby and you've got state leaders uh, in different states yep. and territories and different responsibilities and and the, the breadth has grown dramatically and the depth mm. and the maturity is just amazing. So, But always good to talk to you, Thank Wendy. You. Hey, uh, let's start with The Voice. Um, you know, the dust is starting to settle. Uh, there's still all sorts of debate going on, although the war between Israel and Hamas uh, does sort of take some oxygen out of discussion around The Voice. What are your overall mm. impressions uh, as things begin to settle on The Voice? Well, I think, you know, very clearly, overwhelmingly, Australians voted down the government's concept on The Voice. But I think as people, as the dust has settled, as you say, more and more people are saying, let's use this as a catalyst for um, discovering what our Indigenous people in Australia really need. What do the communities actually need, the Aboriginal communities? And, you know, we're, we're looking at things like, you know, health facilities, safe drinking water. You know, I mean, Christians often, and my husband and I are involved in this as well, we often support... Um, projects that are happening overseas in in Cambodia or places like that that uh, communities don't have safe drinking water and yet here in our own nation we have communities that don't have safe drinking water so these are the areas that I think people are starting to say those hundreds of millions of dollars that were spent on the on the um, on the recent referendum where can we actually match that and start spending it exactly where it needs to be? So the idea of a the idea of an audit, I think, is sounding you know really positive to me. I don't think anybody should be afraid of an audit. Let's look at and see exactly where all the money is being spent, and and how can we do things better? It's amazing, isn't it, that while there was almost a year long debate going on over the voice in the referendum. Uh, campaign, we feel like resolving the gap problems were somehow rather on hold uh, while the debate was on. And it's as though uh, the government had no real plan B and could have been working on those simultaneously. But what you're saying now is an audit is a way to get a fresh start to look at all of the issues that were raised during the debate. I think so. And, and let's look at all of the trials of money that go for Indigenous projects and let's, um, you know, slash any that aren't working and boost the ones that are because there are some very good projects that are happening. But there is also, it would appear, that there is an awful lot of uh, wasted money that is not actually getting to where it's needed. And so let's let's do this. Let's get behind this and audit of, of all the money that's being spent not not a it's not a, a try and get you sort of thing it's not a uh, you know trying to um, attack anybody or trying to find out where where people are not doing well what we really want is to see where is the money going how can we use it better because 
there are real issues in community that need to be addressed. And, you know, we've, we've sort of wasted a lot of time, I think. And uh, we, we do want to listen to the Indigenous people on the ground where they are in community. We can do that without having um, this big referendum. Uh, Wendy, throw you in the deep end here because uh, in some sense there is a obvious fact uh, that so many of the Aboriginal community in Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, uh, in fact somewhere in the vicinity of 6 in 10 are Christian Aboriginal people and some will uh, argue that somehow rather the Christian voice was not as loud as it should have been during the mainstream voice debate. Is there something here, and I'm not sure whether you've got any plans as the Australian Christian Lobby, but just to maybe help to bolster how that Aboriginal, that Christian Aboriginal voice can be heard? Is there any connections there? Are you working on any sort of initiatives around that uh, that type of focus? We are actually working with people of faith in the Aboriginal community, and as you say, it is a majority and, you know, what I find most upsetting and quite a colonial sort of um, uh, concept is, you know, you hear people saying, well, you know, the, the Christian faith is a Western ideal and, you know, you shouldn't be putting it on to Aboriginal people. We have so much we can learn from our Aboriginal people in terms of, of faith in God. And um, the, the Christian faith is not a Western ideal. And how colonial is it to think that we can actually talk people into becoming Christian? No, their faith is very real and often in really difficult circumstances. And and they have, the, the Christian Indigenous people, Christian Aboriginals have such an understanding of forgiveness because there is things that need to be forgiven. But they, for like all of us, all of us have things in our life that we need to forgive. Uh, we can learn so much from the Aboriginal um Christians, And so, yes, we are working with a number of, of Christians in community, but also in suburbs in, in a, right, dotted right around Australia. All right. Well, of course, Christianity is not a Western idea. In fact, it comes no. from uh, Israel. I mean, what we've got here is Jesus yeah. was a Jew. So uh, there's something very Eastern, Middle Eastern about our faith and the faith of those Aboriginal people we're talking about. But while we're uh, while we're moving towards uh, talking about Israel, a good little, I guess, a nice little transition to that conversation, Wendy Francis. Mm. Let's talk about mm. Israel. Um, and of course, the war is deepening. Uh, the ground assault hasn't begun yet. Uh, the misinformation, though, uh, is being perpetuated uh, far and wide. Any thoughts here from the Australian Christian Lobby on on the misinformation being perpetuated? So the truth is definitely being skewed and my concern is that people um, that I talk to are now getting confused as to what to believe and I don't think that uh, we can escape the basic fact here. The basic fact is that Hamas is a terrorist organisation. What they want to do is to wipe out Israel. That's their aim. Hamas is a terrorist organisation. The evils that they have perpetuated on people are unspeakable. They are literally unspeakable. And so then the violence that is actually being whipped up in Australia in support, really, of what Hamas have done is also um, diabolical. And so, you know, whether or not... I, I'm not one who would say that Israel has not done anything wrong and Israel is completely faultless. Um, in, in past uh, skirmishes and things. I'm not going to say that. 
But what I am going to say very clearly is that this was not something that was caused by Israel. This was Hamas, a terrorist organisation that had done unspeakable things to innocent citizens, innocent people, um, and they it must be that that truth must still stay first and foremost in people's minds. And so this this these rallies in Australia where people are calling out horrendous anti-Semitic um, chants, this this should be shut down. This should be shut down. Um, There's lots more to talk about on this topic as we continue our conversation on 2020 today. And uh, the Reverend Dr. Mark Jury is going to be my guest Mm -hmm. after our conversation, Wendy Francis. And uh, no doubt we'll get into a lot of these sorts of uh, dimensions of what's happening with the war uh, just ahead. Uh, Let's talk euthanasia in the Northern Territory. Mm -hmm. They've announced that they're looking to reintroduce euthanasia. Thoughts here? Well, all around Australia, so in every state now we have euthanasia laws and in every state we can see the devastation that they're bringing. And so our our plea with the Northern Territory, particularly with the high um, number of Indigenous people who live in the Northern Territory and who do not support uh, euthanasia, who are the most likely in Australia to actually take their lives through suicide. So this, this Northern Territory is particularly... Um, a concern for us. But if you look around every state in Australia, we've got uh, bad laws are about to be passed in New South Wales. They, they don't come into force until the end of November. But New South Wales, just about two weeks ago, they reallocated $150 million of palliative care funds towards the implementation of that. So we, they've slashed palliative care funds from a state that, that is already completely underfunded for palliative care. Um, We've got the in Queensland Parliament. We've now had the first report of uh, euthanasia uh, in Queensland, having been taken up since the beginning of this year when it first was introduced. We've had uh, a more than one person a day in Queensland take their lives through euthanasia. Then we've got, you know, the, the, an elderly man who uh, actually took a VAD medication that was prescribed for his terminally ill wife. So he. She, she died naturally and his, her uh, euthanasia medication was there and he took that medication without having any terminal illness at all. He was supposed to return it apparently within 14 days, but instead he took it. Now, this is ha- what's happened in Queensland as well. Devastating stuff. You know, got in, so you know, many sorry, things can go wrong, can't they? Yeah. And uh, even oh. as... I mean, even as you're sharing, uh, back to the New South Wales government, uh, reallocating $150 million of palliative care funds towards implementation of VAD laws, uh, in my mind, that strikes of scandal. I mean, and when you start to tell the stories of what's going on as those initial reports are coming out of Queensland, it's almost as though we are now witnessing the implementation of a a culture of death we've had a culture of life preserving life now there is a change and uh, almost a culture of death that's uh, that's obvious here any thoughts around that because when we talk about you know some big picture issues and how culture changes this is one of those big changes isn't it it is a culture of death you know um in new south wales our man was his funding was cut and so he chose to end his life because his, his NDIS funding was cut. Often this sort of culture of death, Neil, comes down to the big dollar. 
And so what are we actually, what, what priorities are we putting on life when we're actually looking at the dollar amount? So, you know, it's a lot, lot cheaper to end somebody's life through a medication than to give them beautiful and loving care um, to, to ensure that they are comfortable in the end times of their life. So we are actually developing, and it's a callousness. And, you know, in this day and age as well, we've got a rising uh, elder abuse um, problem. And, you know, we, when we're looking at elder abuse and the um, implementation of euthanasia, you can see the devastation that can happen there. We've got uh, state state attorney generals pushing for um, VAD uh, prescriptions to be available online by telehealth. Now, it's not hard to imagine the uh, problem with that when you've got somebody on the online uh, saying that yes they want uh, to end their lives through euthanasia and they want help to do it and you have no idea of the pressure that's um, being put on them to say that like this is this is just a complete turnaround in any care for human beings and human life in our country and it's devastating we might all be contemplating where all this might be headed because uh, even as you tell those stories, they're just illustrations of uh, going from bad to worse. And uh, as I understand it, in the ACT, they're even discussing allowing children to choose to end their own lives. Uh, that would be another development, wouldn't it, on the spiral downwards? Correct. I mean, we talk about a slippery slope. This is The ACT are not caring about a slippery slope. They're going straight there. So they're discussing allowing children to end their lives. They're also discussing allowing people who are not terminally ill to end their lives. There's a patient at the moment that an ABC report, there was an ABC report of um, Kath Dyson. She was talking about whether or not um, euthanasia would be available for her by the time she wanted to end her life. And in the ABC report, she's quoted as saying, well, I guess it comes down to suicide one way or another. I'll either take my own life or somebody else will end it for me. Either way, it's suicide. So there's not even any pretense anymore that this is anything other than state-sanctioned suicide. It's a way of saying suicide is good, and that's challenging when you are a Christian believer, uh, knowing that we are created with value in the image and likeness of God. Hey, of course, where this seems to have all started was just all of the relaxation in Australia around the issues of abortion. And we've got these horrendous abortion laws here in Australia. And, uh, of course, that's led to this uh, moving towards the, uh, you know, the voluntary assisted dying uh, euthanasia issue. But come back to abortion for a few moments because... I know there's a glimmer of light or two on the horizon so far as the Born Alive bill. Uh, what are the likely possibilities of that bill uh, being uh, being uh, heard or even voted on in the in the federal parliament? Thoughts from you? Look, it's still it's still alive. Um, I use that term "born alive," and that the bill is still actually alive uh, because what happened was that when Matt Canavan, Alex Antic, and Ralph Govett, the three senators who introduced this bill, when they introduced it, the Senate moved it off to a Senate committee, and that Senate committee was meant to um, come with a recommendation. At the end of a very long inquiry, that committee decided that they could make no recommendation. So they have made no recommendation either way. 
um, what we're seeing now around the different states is, is in New South Wales and South Australia and also in Queensland, there is a recognition that this is happening. So we, we're now, we've broken through that barrier because we there was a barrier of, of people saying it just doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen. In those three states, we now have recommendations from their health um, departments saying that it does happen. So we know it does happen. And so what's, what Matt Canavan is um, making clear that he wants to do is to reintroduce the Born Alive Bill. Uh, so it would be unlikely for the Senate to say, oh, well, we'll send it off to a committee because they've already done that and the committee couldn't come up with any recommendation. So what is the Senate going to do with it when he reintroduces it? Well, you know, they can either choose not choose just to ignore it and leave it on the table um, or they can actually give it a fair hearing and debate it. Now, either way, it's still keeping this alive. And so we're so grateful to Senators Canavan, Antic and Babette. But we're also so grateful to the thousands around Australia who have actually really taken this to heart and talked to their MPs about it because there's no doubt that that has made a difference in this case. So you've got members and senators who are prepared to stand up and get involved in the battle to to save lives. Uh, That's with those babies born alive. Just to, because we're almost out of time here, Wendy, uh, to reflect on the effort that it takes to actually turn around the sort of uh, legislation that we're seeing so prevalent now on a whole lot of different dimensions here in Australia. Um, Obviously, all honour to the good work that you do there at the Australian Christian Lobby, but it's people who actually support the ACL that make those things happen. I wonder if you've got a reflection on the, the sort of effort that it is going to take to actually be heard and turn around some of this legislation. It's a massive amount of effort and it's an awful lot of time. And um, the average Australian who has a job or a family, they're not set aside to do this work. So ACL, um, people like Cherish Life as well, we have a great relationship with Cherish Life. Um, you know, we're set aside to do this work. And, and it is a massive effort, but people have got to remember Wilberforce. How long did it take him? decades to turn around the slavery um, issue and yet it had happened in the end and we are looking we are witnessing a pro-life generation rising up I'm absolutely convinced about that Neil and you just have to look to the United States and see we have we now have some states in the United States who are banning abortion so this is an incredible turnaround but it has happened after decades of work but also a massive amount of prayer people have prayed into this and that's what I would encourage people to do now, to really pray, pray that God will work in our, in our nation, pray that we will be turned back to, a, to care for every single life in our nation. Um, but then, of course, we want you to get activated as well. It's one thing to pray. We also want people to get, get, get active <laughs> and, and really support these campaigns. Yep. Well, uh, when we hear these sorts of things we've heard today, we recognise there is a submersion into a culture of death in Australia. If there's Mm -hmm. going to be any turnaround, it's going to take enormous effort and it might take a long Mm -hmm. time, but you've got to start somewhere. Let me encourage listeners today 
to visit the ACL website and uh, become informed about some of the legislation and some of the initiatives that are uh, going on right now, acl.org.au. No doubt, Wendy Francis, uh, there's still opportunity for people to be a part of the standing army, the the people, the mums and and dads in electorates all over the country who are prepared to roll up their sleeves and get involved with some of the ACL initiatives. And no doubt there's some more of those to come very soon too. But acl.org.au and Wendy Francis is ACL National Director of Politics. Wendy, thank you so much for another update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.